0: A disaster planning and prevention from either Bill Gates talk or the WHO website would have cost the entire world probably less than a million dollars.
1: This is part two of our talk with Wasim, the very first Founders' Voyage.
2: Today's talk has been dubbed Medical Think Tank Discussion. Um, opening our talk today is fellow bootcamp alumni, Wasim Mohadeen. Wasim is a physician. He's the co-founder of TechMed, India's first hospital lab management company. TechMed has established more than 80 labs across India, Sri Lanka, and Nigeria. Wasim began working on his next venture, a digital health platform that he aims to launch by the end of 2020. Wasim has extensive medical qualifications and continues to practice preventative and wellness medicine. Thank you so much for being with us, Wasim, and the floor is yours.
1: Dorian's just asking about um, multiple strains. so. Is there reason to believe at the moment that, oh, hold on, if the virus mutates, there is a chance the antibodies for COVID 19 will not work on the mutation? How stable do we know how stable COVID 19 in the context of getting back to work after getting, it, getting cured and having sufficient antibodies? Do we know how stable it is? No, we are very early for that
0: uh, because the number of cured people are only about 200,000 spread all over the world. The demographics uh, need to get mad so we don't have an answer for it. but going by past experience with coronavirus because so the coronavirus come breeze past you uh, you may not even have it's just that your body just fought it off enough and you have weak antibodies because you didn't really get the virus full fledged so all of these are unanswered questions hopefully we'll have answers. Uh, currently we don't know if the virus mutates uh, which strain you got and whether one anti whether the antibody to one strain give you a cross. Usually it does. If you have a common cold, or if you have a H1, you not get the common cold immediately. Usually it does, but uh, these are open
1: questions because
0: we don't have it.
1: Okay, thank you. Um, Chris wants to understand how to be ready for the massive outbreak if it's going to happen in India for COVID-19.
0: Okay, so the problem again, I'm reiterating that if even if the outbreak is massive, we need to to focus on treating the people who need the healthcare. At that point, I think testing is going to be uh, pointless because, okay, you tested, I'm positive. Now what? I have mild symptoms and I'm just going to go my day. You, are you going to quarantine me for 28 days every week? Now that you know that I'm positive, the minute I step out of my house and I go and go to work, and then you realize that hey, somebody at your work was tested positive. So quarantine you again for 28. And that happens every 28 days, the whole year you're at home. So once the community spread starts to happen, once you reach stage three, testing and quarantining are going to have much less effect. The focus then needs to shift. Every resource needs to shift to treating the people who are uh, who need the health care, not people who are infected, people who are infected and have a severe form of it. So instead of going around and testing everybody, uh, yes, you're positive. You may have it. Let's not even test you, Uh, and uh, if you have, if you need the ICU, let's hope that we have ICU. And that's what India is doing right now is to get the beds and isolation wards ready. Uh, Hopefully, let's hope that strategy works. But uh, going around and testing everybody is not going to be practical. So India's best chance when, if we do have a massive spread, and again I think it's only a matter of time. But when the massive spread happens, assuming most of us just cover. I think we need to focus on treating the people who need it. That's where the resources need to go.
1: So, as an individual who isn't part of the medical community, it it would be best, even if you do get a cough, to not try and use up medical time until it seems like there's an actual serious issue. Is that correct?
0: Correct. And uh, so, one doctor, uh, Ram Subramaniam from Apollo Hospital, uh, he put out something for the public saying, yes, the government is doing all it can, but he's mapped out. the course of the disease where he says that you do get the disease some of you may just have a little flu-like symptom and pass away and uh, some of you might actually have a cough and fever and for about the fifth and sixth days is when you would feel a lot more body pain and he says that from his study of the pattern the virus that on the seventh and eighth day is going to be critical if you think uh, he says by the fourth and fifth and sixth days you're, you've been sick by the seventh day, you will know if you're getting better. Uh, you would start to feel slightly or you would worsen and you would start having your He says that for the first four or five days, even in the hospital, there's nothing much. There. So he believes that this is the direction to take and I, I concur. So I think if we start having community, so right now the focus is to prevent this and therefore all of this lockdown. But once we reach the community stage, that may not be a bad strategy. Uh, he's a very, very senior doctor. in. I trust what he says. That uh, if you get the disease, stay at home. Don't overwhelm the system because that is what is causing the deaths. Overwhelming. Stay at home. Start having severe fever that's not going. You are not having. You're not able to breathe. Shortness of breath. Come and get yourself. A... I think that's the strategy India will take once we have. what's too early to. Again, like I said, we don't know where the political and other things are going to come into play. Medically, that would be the right thing.
1: Thank you. Um, Andrew's just asked uh that's the challenge or just said that's the challenge with the stealth transmission you may not get affected or sick but you end up becoming a super spreader um i feel like at the point where it's a massive outbreak being a super spreader isn't a concern anymore because everyone's already sort of going to get it is that
0: accurate that that's so the super spreader issues in pandemics happen when you're the index patient uh and you're Doing it in a country, so when you go from one place to another, which doesn't have the virus, and you are now spreading it all over the world, that's where you as a super spreader, big problem. But in a community of hundred thousand people, if there are forty thousand people who are super spreaders it's very difficult to be able to contain all forty thousand. And you, it may not be such a, it may not be a wise medical. So super spreader issue happens if there are few super spreaders who are infecting everybody. But if five, ten percent of the population becomes superspreader. Uh, then you're better off treating people because what the super are going to do, they're going to spread, in fact, more people uh, who, if they didn't get it from this super spreader, is going to get it from some other or some other non-super spreader, some other family member.
3: So.
1: All right. Thank you so much. Um, thank you very much for your time and your comprehensive talk with everyone. I think, oh, sorry, there is another question. Question from Nancy. In the US, we are only testing people who are presenting symptoms. In your opinion, is this a wasted effort?
0: Ah, uh, okay. So again, I don't have the data entirely for the US. Uh, one of my friends actually succumbed to the. Uh, friend is, is acquainted. He owns a restaurant in India, best chefs in India. He succumbed to it. So in the US, testing when people have symptoms, uh, currently it appears that because death rate is very small, and to get there, you needed to test all of them. But down the line, it may start becoming. Right now, it's not a wasted effort because it is helping to understand the. Uh, The life cycle of the disease itself. Right now, it's great where it is because testing more people, you are able to understand uh, how many of people were tested, what where it. Right now, it's not wasted effort, but down the line, uh, I think it will become like any other disease that uh, you will get tested only if it's absolutely necessary and if the test. So, in medicine generally, a diagnostic test ethically is ordered if it's going to alter the treatment. In the current case, we are getting the diagnostic test to understand the disease. It's not altering the treatment at all. It's not going to change. Now, because you have uh, COVID-19, you're not going to get a medicine that's going to treat COVID-19 because there is no medicine. So I think down the line, it'll fall into every other diagnostic practice which says that you will test if the outcome of the test, whether positive or negative, is going to change the methodology of treatment. Currently, it's being done for demographics to understand the disease. Down the line, it will, I believe so, uh, I believe it will become like every other diagnostic. Done only when I'm going to alter.
2: So I really appreciate you answering all of our questions. I think this is just um, a time when there's just a million questions, um, and uh, I, I appreciate too that while you have so much knowledge, you're very apt to say when you don't have the complete picture. Um, so rather than just you know continue to rattle questions your way, I'd kind of like to open it to more of a group discussion. Um, There are just so many angles um, that we can approach this pandemic from. And personally, um, I get a little overwhelmed by it at times. Um, So I would really like to hear um, from everyone else that's been listening, you know, what, what angle is really weighing on you right now? Um, Where do you think, because each of us only has so much attention, resources, and effort, Um, what do you want to see attacked um, right now? So you can either type in the chat box or you could um, just unmute yourself. I can type that question in the chat box, too, in case anyone can't hear me.
4: Please do go first, Chris. Oh, great. Uh thanks Doc for taking this session. This is really helpful. So I'm from India. Uh, I'm a I'm from Bootcamp. I'm like class five. I was in 2018. So there's there's like there are a lot of questions, but I want to put one thing that you know, while we are really looking forward to see that how we can control or how we can even face this pandemic situation which is going to hit India, there's also one big problem which is also coming through. And that's where I think there is a lot of panic in the people, you know, that if this hits the farmer, if this hits the agricultural sector, then it will be a big problem. It's going to be a big problem. The supply chain will be disrupted. And if you look into it, U.S. is trying to, you know, recalibrate its supply chain. So my, my point to the forum is that, you know we are not talking about business continuity. We are talking about basic amenities being part of the supply chain. And in the lockdown, we are seeing that the supply chain is getting a little bit disrupted, but if it continues for very long. There'll be a lot of things. So how are people thinking around it? Like, are we, as a team, are we focusing on, like, how a distributed model should work in this place, Uh, not only from a health, but also from the basic amenities? How, How every kind of service can be managed in these times?
2: I think that's a great added on question for the group. And um, the answer probably really depends on what part of the, the world you're in. Um, that brings up a, a good point as well. Um, if you could just type into um, the chat box where you're calling in from. And then um, Andrew, who I know is having trouble with uh, voice, um, answered economic performance um, as far as... Focus so Andrew, feel free to elaborate on what you mean a little bit by economic
1: performance so just to directly respond to um, Nancy's question for after Chris after we've discussed as what Chris presented, um, I'd love to have some sort of discussion about the rap, like the ventilator and the ability to rapidly produce new PPE and new medical devices in the future for these sorts of scenarios.
2: The complicated part to me about that, um, about the ventilator is, I mean, that is directly correlated with this virus, right? I mean, I guess, you know, maybe this is my lack of medical knowledge, but depending on the superbug, you wouldn't necessarily need all these ventilators, right? It, it, It just has to do with the symptoms that we're dealing with.
1: Absolutely, I imagine different uh, superbugs and pandemics would require very different equipment. It's, and it's possible that there is ones that just cannot be rapidly produced. Um, so maybe that's something that would be worth, like as a group some people looking into would be figuring out which medical equipment can actually be reproduced in a pandemic scenario and having a sort of sitting list of that equipment as we go forward for future pandemics or something like that.
2: I feel like just from the, I always feel like I'm at a lack of knowledge um, in this sort of realm, but I feel like from what I've um, seen um, and, and heard, you know, talking about this, you know, how we have a stockpile of um, medical equipment that we do or do not have in the U S so whether or not, you know that exists now. Actually, having a stockpile of physical equipment requires um, a lot of money be poured into that, and not being able to know um, what you're exactly going to need. I almost feel like um, the the big hiccup, anyway, that I've seen in the U.S. is um, trying to once we have a solution, um, get it approved by the FDA, make sure that it's tested properly. Um, So, kind of speaking to, you know, Andrew's point about maybe we can more economically prepare in some manner if all, you know, small businesses had to shut down, what would be the emergency plan there since that doesn't require physical holding of anything? Um, I feel like from a manufacturing standpoint, like, is there a way that we could possibly prepare to um, have everyone completely shift gears? Um, from what I've learned, shifting to producing medical gear is a lot more complicated um, you know than anything that was done in wartime manufacturing.
0: So Nancy, if I can give you a perspective. So what happens? What happens when ultimately things go down in a human body is you need to keep somebody breathing, right? And the only other thing that you need to keep doing is get their heart running when the pacemaker play. But everything else, for example, let's say suddenly we have a disease that hits the kidney. You could do dialysis for somebody once a week. It becomes bad once a day, once four days, once a day. have to keep people breathing It's That's where the ventilator comes in. When people get very sick, remember, ventilator is not a solution for COVID or when the entire body shuts down. Uh, you keep people alive while you allow the body to heal. Keep them breathing. Lungs shut down. That is why ventilators uh, are so much in demand the whole population comes to the hospital because you can't just put them unlike a dialysis very important but you can still do dialysis once a day once two days and people may get sick but they won't die
2: sure that makes a lot of sense so I mean essentially what you're saying is stockpiling ventilators for any situation is not a bad idea
1: you have that right, we'll uh, what Nancy just asked is does that effectively mean um, that stockpiling ventilators is a good idea for any scenario?
0: Yes, any scenario where people are admitted to the ICUs and are very, very any disease that puts you into situation where you're very uh, ventilators become.
2: So yes, and there will said- be other
0: things that you that you will need other things like pulse oximeter and all of this. But something that continuously required is a very very unique thing in any intensive care. You, you may not have a dialysis, you could take pulse oximeter from one patient, put it on the other, test for four minutes, see if the oxygen is fine and put it back. Ventilator, you can't do that. Beyond five or seven days, you can't even remove the ventilator. Put a hole in your throat and stick the ventilator in. Be gory details. But that's where the ventilator comes into play. Five, seven days, you can put them, put the ventilator in the mouth. But after actually do a tracheostomy. Yeah, ventilators are the single most important, you now. critically ill patient be a ventilator.
2: It sounds like coming out of this, then there are some lessons to be learned is what we could actually be stockpiling physically.
0: No. So I don't think we need to be stockpiling. Uh, uh, I think if we are able to, because all of these situations, there would be that curve where you do have that time, let's say four weeks. In this particular case, we had about, I think, 12 weeks, uh, except for Italy and Spain. Uh, so I think if you are able, in a disaster preparedness, give license to companies, say that in an emergency like this, can you dole out ventilators? In for this time, already pre-prepared designs, pre-prepared, and sometimes you don't need fancy ventilator. Even a glorified bag and mask would do for some people. So I think uh, that in fact India is now working on a six hundred fifty dollar dollar. Yes, it's not perfect, but for a disaster situation, better than you don't need a fifty thousand dollar. You don't need a fifty thousand dollar. Could do with a thousand dollar, but one that works. So I think that's why we need to get into these are things that uh, disaster will need IV lines, for example. Let's say the world is hit with a significant bug that upsets your tummy. You need to keep people hydrated all the time. Yes, at the late stage you would end up, but you would need to keep people hydrated all the time. Need more vent more these are not very difficult to manufacture, but they need to have a certain kind of license all that supply chain quickly from a disaster preparedness, I think that is the way to look. I could be wrong. Somebody has
2: I think I'm personally curious as to what that process is um, in different areas of the world, too. Um, And I know we've got a couple um, other medical professionals from around the world. I I don't know if they want me to pick on them or not, but but I am kind of curious here. You know, we have certain regulations that things have to go through. Is there um, a faster sort of appeal process that anyone is aware of? in their section of the world um, that maybe should be implemented more globally for situations like this. I'm not trying to imply that equipment shouldn't be properly tested, but just that there are a lot of hoops for companies to jump through in in the U.S. right now that are trying to produce things that are definitely slowing the process down.
1: I'm far from an expert on this, but I do think the U.S. is a bit more stringent on Regulations than most other countries, but I'm, I'm guessing that you're saying that potentially you're asking if there is anywhere else a pandemic scenario exception sort of thing. Is that correct?
2: Yes, essentially. Um, what is the the process that you would go through in India with same?
0: Yeah, so India has uh, uh, different certificates. A lot of times, a uh, company has approval; they would get through the manufacturer-wise but also because uh, a lot of times it's like your seatbelt requirement and your uh, airbag requirement. Really different. No point in having America regulated India where typically your speed in the village is going to be 20 kilometers per hour. Sometimes, okay, not to. that way, cars become more expensive, depriving the opportunity of somebody else from small risk that they crash. But if you're traveling 40 miles per hour, American airbags are important. So, I think it, every country will have to have their. Uh, regulations that way. And uh, maybe uh, one of the ways to do that would be a staggered uh, license plan. I, I think that's important, especially where you say that a tertiary hospital is going to have a, cannot have $600, $600 $1,000. That makes driven. But if you're going to have prime tier two, tier three, it may not be a bad idea to, to allow them to have uh, a lower quality, fewer bells and longer. Does the basic that priority then is to not to uh, have a hundred percent output all the time, but to ensure that you're stuck in a situation like this. A larger population has access to something need not subscribe to a certain very high or staggered licensing may not be a bad. Uh, how it's implementable is debatable, but
2: that makes a lot of sense. Um, just to shift gears slightly back to Andrew's comment. Um, what ideas does everyone have um, about how we could, I don't want to say get back to economic normalcy, but establish a new normal perhaps. Um, Cause I mean, I think most of us in a, are in a situation where we have seen the effect on um, small business and, and business in general. So where, where do you envision this going if, if we, had a perfect future coming out of this. So that's a question for the whole group, not for Waseek.
3: Yeah, I mean, in regards to this, uh, um, I also want to you guys to consider uh, the, the other approach of track of uh, mediating COVID, which is uh, tracking and things that other countries did so far, such as South Korea and Singapore. Uh, it also relates to, to your question about, let's, let's say we have a perfect future. Let's say if we have a perfect system that allows us to do tracking without intruding on privacy, how would that, can, can the doctor maybe give his comments on how the system like this, uh, how effective it would be in uh, in, uh, um, in uh, slowing the curve of COVID?
2: Sir, sure, I'm sharing sure your opinion, Dorian, and just because I know you've been working on this quite a bit, um, would you mind offering a little bit more of what you've experienced firsthand um, throughout this pandemic?
3: Sorry, I, uh, sound is uh, is very interrupt- interrupting. Can you please repeat the question? Thank you.
2: Sure, I could type it if, if that's easier. I was just wondering if you could offer a little more firsthand information about. Um, what you've experienced as you've been trying to um, combat this pandemic what you've seen on your side
3: got it yeah so uh, yeah i guess i faced some of the problems that everyone is facing first of all like everyone else me and uh, some partners try to make masks for uh, for bugs for uh, sending to the hospitals of course, we started receiving threats because they are not uh, regulated. We had to pivot and transition from masks to face shields, which for those would did need regulation. We successfully managed to, to, to procure such facilities t- t- and, uh, and uh, uh, equipped uh, some of the hospitals in my hometown. The second stage was uh, was a little in parallel the, the ventilators, uh, the wartime ventilators. There are several designs online, uh, especially one uh, from MIT, which we find uh, quite okay. And we started uh, making a prototype for it. Uh, for that, of course, it did, doesn't have approvals and is not regulated. And we are, my country, Romania, is a country which is very distrustful in the government to begin with. So through various back channels, we organized discussion with the actual ICU doctors. They gave their opinion on the design, and they gave us the go-ahead to build them, because they are going, they said that off the record, they're going to use them. They're not going to confirm, they're not going to speak to the press, but they want them, and now we're starting to build them, because, yeah, they realize the situation, they know that the government will not uh, provide sufficient regulation in time, and they just told us that... Build them, and they'll take care of the rest. Um, besides the ventilators, we also have a problem with the number of beds. I guess, like everyone else, uh, even if we, at this point, the number of estimated ventilators are gonna make are gonna uh, be uh, more than the number of beds available. So right now, we're in discussion with uh, with political partners from the city hall to to evaluate certain. Uh, spaces of land where we can uh, install tents. Uh, we have designs for tents that uh, provide some type of uh, isolation. Uh, we're not at the stage of building the tents yet, but we're just in discussions to evaluate where, where we can do that. So we're talking stadiums. Are, these are pretty good candidates because they have power and, uh, and uh, utilities already set uh hopefully we're not gonna be needing them but the the quite probable scenario is that we are gonna need them so we're exploring that avenue as well but the worst the worst uh this the biggest disappointment i have is with uh with uh a, a tracking uh the tracking uh solution that i see nobody implements especially in my country but worldwide nonetheless so it's uh, in my opinion, and the facts have proven uh, that uh, is that tracking used efficiently definitely definitely helps a lot in mitigating this pandemic. So we're talking South Korea, where at first they didn't use tracking, and patient 31 was able to infect, and now the numbers say that that patient infected over is possible for 80% of the cases in South Korea, and since they implemented tracking. Cases daily cases drop dramatically where they're in the double digits, so which is cool. Singapore implemented tracking from the beginning, and uh, yeah, I'm curious why other countries aren't doing it because this is by far proven. I mean, if you're in if you're into computer science, it's pretty obvious how things work, or, or into uh, like a STEM subject, but. Even if you're not, you just look at what other countries did, and it's quite obvious that this works. Uh, and I'm not; it's not clear to me at this point why the world doesn't implement it. In Romania, I've been very, very active in this space. I've created presentations for the MIT app. I've been in touch with two senators from the National Security Committee. Today, one of them replied that they managed to push it to the Ministry of Health, uh, to an advisor of the Ministry of Health, and they are investigating it. Unfortunately. In my particular case, my country the replies that our secret service knew already of the app. This is a reply from the senator. So they knew about the app, but they have some issues with it, which basically means they want to monetize it because there's no issue wrong with the app. It's public code and it works. So yeah, this is. I'm disappointed locally from my government because they want to monetize it and that, that's why they don't implement it. But I'm also disappointed globally that there's not enough conversation and not enough, uh, yeah, uh, not, not enough implementation because the proof is there on, on this tracking, me- on tracking mechanism. And if we, for the for you that don't know what I'm exactly what how tracking works, it, it's I'm gonna just provide a brief explanation. So basically, you, you record on your own phone, you have the locations, uh, enabled, you just record wherever you go, uh, it's stored locally on your phone, and in case. Uh, you you feel sick and you get to go to the hospital and get tested. Uh, at the hospital, usually everywhere, you're going to have what, what's called an ep- epidemiologic interview, which basically they ask you, hey, have, where have you been in the last 14 days? Who have you spoken to? And this procedure, if done just orally, of course, it's very inaccurate because it's very hard to remember where you've been in the last 14 days and who you've met. This way, if you have this app, you can at least Look at the trail and uh, provide a much detailed information of where you were. But also, uh, the particular app that MIT made allows you to centralize all this information anonymously. And other people that use the app and had interactions with your trail in the past will get notification that they were in, that they inter- were intersected with the pe- with a person that has COVID. So they can present themselves to the hospital and take a test. And this allows very, very efficient way to isolate possible new cases and avoid the patient 31 scenario from happening. Yeah, so I'm, I'm quite shocked at why, why this doesn't happen on a, on a larger scale, especially in countries like US who have the technology. Uh, and yeah, not only US. Yeah, uh, this, is, this is still a little, I don't get it. So as far as things go, this is what I have to say in regards to this so far. Thanks.
2: Dorian, I really appreciate you sharing your viewpoint because I do feel like you've been um, uh, living and breathing the issues surrounding this quite a bit. Um, I I think you make a really good point about tracking. I mean, Andrew's saying um, regarding tracking, you know, the infrastructure and political will and, of course, privacy, fear of tech. Personally, um, Andrew, I would say, like, do you think that areas have all of those issues or separate areas have those issues. Cause I mean, I agree with Dorian that here in the U S we definitely have the infrastructure to do it. Um, I was actually going to ask, is it, um, you know, looking at a, a private app, is it maybe people's awareness, um, those of us that are willing to isolate right now, um, is it maybe that there's just not the word out about a standardized private tracking system and if we were to spread that far and wide could that possibly help us i think sense go ahead oh
3: in 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 romania so romanians overall are are distrustful of the government as i said and um they are crafty but in terms of terminology and in terms of privacy well, even if you make statements like okay the code is public and open source okay it's made by MIT uh yeah people don't really don't they they still don't don't trust uh it's a very difficult thing to thing to push um there are Romania is still at the more at the stage where some they still look for figure for uh for uh people with uh reputation so people that they find individually they find like trustworthy so it's more about authority rather than facts so it's of course bad in my view so i'm more of a stem guy i'm i'm trying my best to be subjective but i cannot help but presenting the f- situation from the from a scientific term and unfortunately yeah, in a normal setup, this would work because, yeah, you need scientific evidence. But in Romania, you need more, you, you need to know the right people and the right people to deliver the message. So it's not about the content that much. Then it's about who delivers the message. So it's um, in, in, in Romania, this is one of the challenges that we're going to have to face. So we're going politically and we're going also trying to appeal to influencers. So the pressure is going to be multi-sided and that eventually the state will either develop its own system because i don't really care right now if they use the mit one or not as long as they use tracking and they update the the epidemiologic interview so they either the state will be forced to push for, to make one or just use this one um and yeah uh i don't know what else to do in in romania at this stage maybe it, it, and what i'm trying to say is that it's also based on our local culture so I don't think that the standard is going to cut it. Uh, I mean, in South Korea, in Singapore, in China, like a, a, a tracking app that, and then in their case, it didn't have an anonymity. It, everybody knew that uh, their data was uh, seen by the government, but because their culture, they, they, they have different culture, they realize the seriousness of the situation, their governments are transparent, they trust their system. That wasn't a problem. But when you have places where the trust in government is not that okay, it's going to be much more difficult definitely a one-size-fits-all solution in my view i
2: very much agree with you so i was just typing to andrew too because um he he was agreeing with you Dorian. um the fear of technology um people's fear that their privacy will be um invaded and and that people are distrustful um i am a big advocate of you just have to find the right angle to approach someone from to help them see the light. And I'm not saying that that always works, but is, is there an angle maybe where we could personify, if you will, you know, the good of humanity for people where they would be open to using some sort of standardized solution. And, and I, I saying standardized solution, because I think I would feel more comfortable if I knew that the app was being put out by say like a nonprofit, um, rather than the government. Um, and, and feel free to disagree with me if, if you feel otherwise, but, um, but personally, if, if it was somehow able to show me that that this would actually, um, save lives as Dorian's mentioned the the data um, speaks for itself but um, is there a way to to appeal to people personally um, who don't care about the data
3: well in this regard the MIT uh, uh, went uh, to this particular direction so just today I saw that uh, they're, um, they're launching a nonprofit uh, for the for this app so I guess that uh, this is uh, more of an uh, is closer to Americans' values and the way they see things. So uh, yeah, uh, hopefully because of uh, their nonprofit, maybe it will get adopted faster in America. But yeah, this is definitely a, a good direction. And as far as um, trying to find the right angle, I'm more than happy to share my presentation. Of It's in Romanian, but yeah, I think Google we'll Translate will do a decent job into understanding what I'm going at with the approach. Um, I've tried to advertise the app as precisely a solution that it's uh, to prevent the government from, from instituting a brick bar estate. And this is the way I'm advertising the app. So first of all, it's like it's, I'm trying to not publish it as a tracking app per se. I mean, in the presentation, it is like this. But in the general conversation, I'm going for it's an update to the way the in the epidemiology interview is made. And secondly, it's a solution that prevents the government from instituting a big brother state. This is the two angles I'm going for. And yeah, if you have uh, feedback on this and improvements, then definitely please uh, please uh, let me know. I've put the link here. Yeah, Google Translate should do a pretty good job because the, the scenarios and the ideas are, are general and this is not much. it's not too technical. Right? It's more of a generic presentation.
2: Yeah, I, I think that would be great if if you can just share that with um, the group. Um, would you be open to getting some feedback on that then?
3: Definitely all the feedback you can give me. Of course, uh, I mean, uh, I would really, really appreciate it.
2: I, I really appreciate that you're um, actively working to find solutions that I feel like I don't have the technical know how to create, but I really want to see um, implemented. Um, I I'm just looking at Andrew's answer but I I personally feel like um it would be worth a try you know trying to build people's trust with some sort of um outside solution for this rather than um trying to jump through hoops with different governments to implement tracking like this actually seems like something that would be doable um so I guess my question to you, Dorian, is what would be needed to make it accurate? How many people would would have to start using it?
3: Uh, this is a tough question to answer because, honestly, this uh, the way tracking has been implemented, uh, the way it has been implemented successfully, it actually took more than the app. It took... Um, It took several of our tracking measures that uh, South Korea implemented, um, corroborated heavy testing, of course. Uh, For me, uh, the way I see going forward with this, with uh, an app like this, is you would implement it, you would see some results, which will be uh, noticeable. You will then confirm a trend that traffic tracking works and because of this more tracking measures will be will be implemented because on its own yeah i still if everybody used it i still think it's not enough to for the current stage that the 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 pandemic is at in romania and other places so but coming back to your uh, question how many exactly numbers uh, yeah, I I I I cannot answer. The, the app works in this scenario like 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 ways. So the more you have, the the more accuracy you have, the more intersections you have. Uh, a different take on this would be if a solution existed. I'm going to go get a little technical. If a solution existed to use the geolocation data of uh, mobile cell providers in a way that's anonymous, that would be the optimal solution because this way you are guaranteed to have, to use the data from all the population that has a cell phone. You're no longer required to, uh, to have an app. But yeah, in this case, how do you make it and make it anonymous? And yeah, so far there is no solution that does this this would be an ideal solution. Uh, I know, I'm not sure if I answered your question uh, pre- precisely what you wanted to know, but I, 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 I'm trying my best just to give an overview of how how tracking sure. the limits and uh, yeah. what it can bring.
2: Sure. I, I think um, maybe then what would be helpful is um, if we gave you some specific feedback um, about the reasons we would or would not use it um, I, I know um, it's it's difficult for people to really believe that they'll be anonymous on something like that. Um, so personally, I think that is where my trust would be either placed or or my distrust would be placed. Um, but are are there some specific aspects of it? because um, we're kind of at our the end of our window here um, that we could give you some feedback on. Over the next couple of days, we try this app out, Dorian. Are there some specific um, points, some specific questions that you want answers to or feedback on?
3: Uh, maybe more suggestions on how to, I mean, uh, how to how to sell it. Uh, and uh, in this case, that the the, mm-hmm. the I mean the truth the the, uh, the yeah this we're. The app is actually doing what it says it's doing. It's provable that it's anonymous, so we're in the right, so to speak. Uh, so when you're in the right, you have a situation where you're in the right. What what more can we do with it to, to prove your point? What what suggestions particular to this? How 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 all the extra extra steps and extra angles you you try to uh, make the app look or make uh, so that it can be it can be more easily accepted, provided that you're in the right. So, because it's provable that you're in the right. Okay, I
2: mean, there's definitely a lot more, you know, discussion we could have um, surrounding healthcare, surrounding COVID-19, even just surrounding the solution that you're proposing. Um, But I'm gonna suggest that we kind of continue this conversation offline a little bit, and, and I, w- I would love if we all could, you know, if we kind of believe in, in this um, idea that Dorian's proposing, if we can at least give him some feedback about um, his solution. And then I would personally um, love it if you would send me some comments about what you liked about this as a forum, um, how we could change it moving forward, and um, what topics you might want to see covered. We have some ideas as to where to head with this, but um, we'd really like to shape it into something that everyone feels is beneficial or or at least a good chunk of us um, that would like to connect this way. So um, I'd really like to thank Wasim um, for just formally introducing this talk and answering so many of our medical questions, mine included, um, and and uh, Spencer for figuring out all the technical aspects of this. Um, and uh, let's let's continue this discussion. Let's um, keep connecting. I I've definitely seen that the value of community is um, just exploded, um, and and the ways in which we. I feel so lucky to be able to connect this way, but but also realize just how important it is to actually hear people's voices, actually see people's faces. So um, so please uh, please give us your feedback, and um, we'll try to host another one of these soon. Thank you so much, everyone, and have a wonderful day or evening or morning.
3: Take care. This
1: has been Nancy and Spencer on Founders Voyage Weekly Podcast. Our speaker each week can be reached through our Discord server. Our intro and outro music is from the song Something for Nothing by Reverend Peyton's Big Damn Band. We'll be back again next week for another episode. Until then, have a great day and continue your voyage.